Hey, this is Brittany. Hi, it's Holly. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the Know the, the Why podcast, where we discuss the why behind tough questions and changes in the world of home health and hospice. And have a little fun too. Yes, maybe too much. No mask on your face, you big disgrace, spreading your germs all over the place. Hey guys, welcome back to Know the Why. Brittany. And hey we have a special guest today, Donna Stout. Yeah, we're going to start off with a topic that's not actually COVID first. Exciting stuff. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Donna. Yes. Thanks. So the re- Oh, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. The reason we have invited Donna is because there's something coming. I think some of you have heard little bits and pieces of it from maybe your supervisor or in your huddles. But there is a new focused quality audit process that puts um, the patient outcomes more in the hands of the clinicians. They've always been in the hands of the clinicians, but this is related to OASIS items and SHIP alerts. And so we are asking team members to start their day addressing their SHIP alerts, um, and it'll reduce the amount of corrections that you get back and forth. So I think it's going to be a time saver. But Donna, um, can you kind of discuss more of the why behind this change from the QA department? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So why? Why are we changing? So really, the reason we're changing is because we, uh, quality and statewide team, we have been listening to what team members say they value. And what they say they value most is delivering uh, great patient care. And then also obtaining adequate reimbursement to provide those needed resources to their patients. And then they also value being connected to the goals. And so um, because of those things, we decided that we needed to take a step back and look at how we're doing things and um, really uh, focus on uh, fixing kind of what the age-old problem has been, which is... um, Historically speaking, quality has been operating um, as if we're in a hamster wheel. We're going around and around and around, but never going anywhere. That's a great analogy. (laughs) Yeah, because it's kind of the same corrections over and over and over and over. And the reason is, is because we have really been trying to correct a a front-end problem with a back-end process, kind of a cleanup process, and it just doesn't work. And so um, really changing two major approaches, one, one major one being moving Jackie Cutione to the front end process mm-hmm. to set our team members up right out of the gate to be successful. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so we're very excited for the change. Yeah, I feel like with when 2020 started, we were so excited about SHIP Alerts and we were doing some education with it and some encouragement for the staff members to do it. And then I don't know if we just got lost with COVID where it just, we were in this state of reacting to COVID and, and focused on COVID that I feel like clinicians started addressing their alerts less and less. And I know that SHIP is amazing and the evidence shows even for our agency, but also nationwide, that if clinicians are addressing and resolving their SHIP alerts, patient outcomes improve. And that's basically what it's all about. We want our patients to improve. And we also want to show that in our documentation. Yeah. Right. Credit wanna, mm-hmm. Yep. Get credit for the hard work, that great, great care that's being delivered. Get credit for that great care. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And you're absolutely right. Yep. And so I think it's, it's a different habit. I think it's solidifying good habits. Start your morning, check your ship alerts. If you're an Oasis clinician from the day before. So you start your morning, the ship alert will come to you and it's addressing an Oasis you did the day before. And if you take a few moments, what, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, it might depend on how much, how many alerts you have, but just take that time to address it. And it will save you time from the back and forth of getting multiple corrections that I know wear team members down. So I think this is a really great new system and process, and I'm excited to see its impact. Yeah, the quality team is as well. We, we are very excited. We really feel like this is going to be a win-win Yay. for everyone. Do you think also, Donna, that um, them getting used to doing their ship alerts in the morning and that and on the front end, like you were talking about, um, actually will end up saving them time over the long run because they'll get used to understanding more so on how to answer the Oasis questions and stuff? Yes, absolutely. I, I think there's two key things. Number one, within NetSmart, if they will be in a very good habit of checking their Oasis validation when they're finishing their Oasis and go ahead and address the ones they have there. Um, number one, that's going to help because it's going to reduce the amount of ship alerts that they actually receive. Um, now, they still may receive some because there's different algorithms that are used with NetSmart versus ship, but that that's going to save them time. Um, but you're absolutely right, Brittany. Um, the more that they see those alerts, they're going to better understand kind of what's being asked and kind of how to answer the strategy. So, yes, I do believe that over time it's going to be less and less and less. So, yeah, that's good because I know they're always looking for ways to shorten their work time and, you know, not have to Ab do so much. So maybe that's a driver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And I, the other thing I do want to say is um, – a few months ago, the statewide team committed, it may have been the last town hall, I can't remember exactly, but the statewide team um, gave the message that we are committed to helping team members with their productivity expectations. And we really believe from a quality uh, team standpoint that this change is going to help them in an effort to do that because they're not going to be getting the same old, same old um corrections requests that they're used to getting all the back and forth and back and forth. It's really going to be focused on ship alerts um, with just maybe three other types of corrections that, that they would have to address. So we really do believe that for that reason, it's, it's going to help them uh, meet their productivity expectation as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I do think it's awesome. And we're going to give some focused education. It's going to come to all the branches. So if you're maybe new to SHIP because you're a, a new team member or something like that, we're going to give you all the tools and education you need to set you up for success. Absolutely. And I think SHIP is going to be more integrated into our case conferences too. So I just, I think we're going to, it's going to take us from a good agency or a great agency to even better, best better. of all the times. <laughs> yeah. I just, I have to laugh because, um, so is it SHIP S-H-P? Yeah. And not as a yes. yes. <laughs> so I always like when I hear ship, I think it's got an I in there, but it doesn't because it stands. Remind me what it stands for again. Strategic? Is the S for strategic? strategic. Yes, yeah, strategic health care programs. There we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. Well, that's a good reminder. So it's funny because uh, Donna's joined us for the first time and she uh, went to somewhere else that was quieter, but we're hearing her um, cuckoo clock in the back <laughs> or her grandfather clock. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was my, my that was my IU Health twenty five year Aww. service award. It's it's a Aww. little mantle clock, but it sounds like a big grandfather clock. <laughs> yeah, we're we're recording this all virtually. Brittany's out in North Salem. Donna's in Tipton, and I'm in Indianapolis. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. All right, it's amazing what you can do now. So well, thanks for joining us yeah, today, Donna. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Donna. My, yes, my pleasure. Everyone have a great day. Yes. Yeah. And if you have questions we're go on to other about topics. this. Send it to HCIP or your supervisor. We'll make sure we get it answered. So, yep, absolutely. So, all right, Holly, what else do we got today? All right. Uh, let's see. You know, with the screening process for COVID, everyone knows to ask the screening questions before every single visit and to update the basic tab. But then we kind of realized, oh, wait a second. Maybe the first person in the home that day is a home health aide. And since they use mobile light, they can't update the basic tab. No. So we have a solution. Do you want to discuss it, Brittany? Well, so um, there has been an, there or will be an add to the care plan for the home health aides um, that will be need to be initiated by the, um, the case manager, whether that be therapy or um, nursing, or depending on who puts them, the home health aid in there, they've got to initiate that home health aid care plan. So this will end up being in there and um, the care plan will say screen patient for COVID prior to visit, notify CM or supervisor of positive result, document positive screen and clinical notes, including name of person notified. So uh, the symptoms of the question are in the COVID manual that everybody has access to. And it's now on teams should be a lot easier to access um, to remind yourself of what those symptoms are. So you use that question each day um, that you ask before you go to see that patient. And then if you get a yes, you would hold on that visit while you talk to your CM and your supervisor to say, hey, I've got somebody that has um, screened positive. And do we want to go ahead with this visit? Do we want to hold? Do we need to get testing? Those kind of things need to kind of have that conversation of where this patient stands and is it really actually COVID or is it disease related? Because, you know, we've had asthma exasperations and that too. So um, that's what that whole conversation should be about. And then for confirmed and suspected patients. So like you talk to the CM and said it's screened and that kind of stuff. And they decided that, you know, we still need to do this visit today. They can't really hold off. Um, you wear your gown, gloves, eye protection and mask um, to go see that patient to keep providing good care while we continue to troubleshoot that screening positive. And the clinical note is a way that we know how mouth aids can actually chart since they can't chart against that basic information. Mm -hmm. But um, do you want to tell them how they can actually see yeah. everybody else? So I that in? have not been a mobile light user myself. So I, I have learned, so I don't know if home health aides know this or not, or any other mobile light users, you can click and hold on the basic tab and you'll be able to see the staff information. So a home health aide can click and hold and they will see what maybe the case manager or the nurse or the physical therapist uh, did when they did the last screen and what the answers were or any other relevant information, if they have dogs or if they have MRSA or what have you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a neat little trick. And so if I understand right, so the case manager or therapist or nurse would be adding a care plan item in the home health aid care plan for the home health aide to screen. So the home health aide can chart on that care plan and then they update a clinical note with the screening questions because they can't. If it's positive. If it's positive. So if it's a negative yeah. screen, 
If it's negative, they just do the care plan charting. Okay. Well, I think that's that simple means, enough. Yeah, that means that they've done the screening and it was negative. They didn't need to do anything else. So Got it. Thank only you. if it's positive. Okay. Perfect. That makes a lot of sense. Let's see. So hopefully that'll help um, the home health aides with documenting those screens that we know that they're doing. Yeah. We just didn't have a good way of them documenting it so that way they can prove it. So, so Brittany, I, uh, speaking of COVID, I heard a statistic. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> We've been worried about nothing because only 6% of people who have died from COVID only had COVID listed. So what's all the I fuss know. about? Everyone's just fluffing the numbers. <laughs> so, so my job can go back to being a lot less work. That'd be awesome. I know. I'm sure uh, I'm kind of talking about a, a news article that came out. I know like WTHR posted it, but it's all over social media as well. And yeah, I think, it's based off of the CDC information. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd like to think that our clinicians kind of understand how diagnoses work in the chart and how so many patients have comorbidities, not just the one thing. So that 6%, it doesn't mean only 6% of people have died truly from COVID. It means they only had COVID. So if someone was diabetic. Or somebody forgot to put other things on the death yeah, certificate. Yeah, I've wondered like that, that was too. The only thing that was listed on the death certificate. So it could have been that it was the only true cause. It was a healthy individual. They didn't have additional com- um uh, additional complications related to the COVID and um, they ended up passing away just from that. So yeah, one of uh, uh, or somebody forgot <laughs> an IU health uh, pulmonary, pulmonary intensive care doctor kind of explained it that if it's a 90 year old with advanced cancer and she's admitted for COVID pneumonia. So the reason she's in the hospital is because of COVID, not because of cancer. And she developed, right. she developed renal failure as a result and dies her death certificate would say number one, COVID-19 pneumonia, number two, acute renal failure, and number three, metastatic lung cancer. So though she had advanced cancer, if she hadn't contracted COVID, COVID she wouldn't, she could have kept yeah, living and fighting the cancer battle. Yeah. Yeah. So I could she have, would have probably continued to live on. Yep. So a diabetic could get COVID that lands them in the hospital and they pass away. It's not, they didn't die from diabetes. They died from COVID. So COVID. right. Yes. Yeah. Well, or then also, I mean, like, you'll see it, like, it'll say, like, um, adult respiratory, what is that, chronic respiratory failure or something like that? Yeah. I can't remember. My brain is spacing out. It's Friday. I know. <laughs> um, but you'll see, like, um, acute respiratory distress syndrome type of thing mm-hmm. on there and those kind of things. And those are um, complications of the virus. So they had those things and they were on a ventilator and all that kind of stuff because they got the virus. So that's another thing is that the COVID will be listed there with all those other things. Um, and it doesn't mean that they, I mean, the other things could have potentially caused the ultimate death, but they were there before because um, the person was healthy before and then getting the virus is what caused those things to happen. So ultimately the primary cause is um, uh, COVID, sorry. You're fine. Space. My words, my golly. So yeah, it's just those contributing factors and um, that's still the 160,000 or more actually. These were only 160,000 death certificates that they had, but I think our number is actually higher. I think we're at 180. Yeah, we're closer to 200, I know. 
Yeah, but the CDC only looked at so many of the death certificates, or or they are still waiting to see the other ones. So it's only based on those numbers. Yes. Um, but uh, I don't think that our numbers are inflated no. by any means. COVID is very real. <laughs> it is not a hoax. It's not a political agenda. It's a pandemic. The old fashioned kind yeah. of pandemic. Yeah. And it's just you like it's like almost that I, I was listening to a doc that was saying it's like we've become uh, as a society almost science illiterate in a way because like we hold on to these little tiny things of, oh, it's only six percent. So mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not a big deal. We don't. But then we forget about all the points that we just talked about that, like, if you really look at the death certificates and how they're laid out and then also how this disease works as a um the uh, pathophysiology of it, like it's the one that's causing the additional problems that then lead to the um, patient's or the patient's death. Yeah. So then the COVID is the primary cause. This is some Cy Wakeman philosophy. She's a, a she has a podcast called No Ego that I love, but she explains that the human condition we often and it's just everyone does it. I do it. Brittany does it. Everyone does it. Yep. You'll have a thought, and a lot of times we think our thoughts are facts. And that's not always the case. So if you think right. COVID's a hoax, that doesn't mean that's true. <laughs> so um, right. so it's, I think, and I know I get asked all the time from family members and friends about COVID questions. I mean, I get asked nursing questions all the time. I'm sure you do as an infection preventionist. I'm sure everyone is lighting you a up lot. in your personal life. <laughs> a lot. So I bet our team members have the same kind of questions. So if you get those hard kind of questions like, well... I saw on Facebook or I saw on the news that only 6% have died from COVID. I think you guys have the knowledge and the understanding of how to answer that question. Um, And that's kind of why we wanted to address it here. Yeah. And I would like, if you don't, or you're not comfortable, I mean, like we talked about the whys, but maybe like we could talk about a little bit how we could phrase it. Um, So like if a patient asked me that question, I would say, um, so that was those 6% was, only what um, COVID was written on the death certificate. And I would explain to them, like, when death certificates are written, there are, you know, the primary cause of death and then the other um, comorbidities or diseases, I guess would be easier in a layperson's term, that the person was um, already suffering from. But that's not what brought them in and that's not what caused them to die, that the primary cause was COVID. And that COVID also can lead to some of these other things like respiratory failure, renal failure, that type of thing. And that's why those are listed on that death certificate as well, because they were contributing factors, but Mm -hmm. they were not the primary reason. And so the primary reason was COVID. So that's kind of how you can kind of help them understand um, that death certificates have to include everything that the patient either was like your, your cancer example, if they developed a complication from COVID or that kind of thing on there. And CDC was only purely making the observation that 6% of those death certificates that they looked at out of like the 160 plus or whatever. And that's not very many, actually, when you break it down. Um, 6% of them only had COVID listed. Not that only 6%. So there's the difference. (laughs) Yeah. And if your patients ask about this, or if they really, like, if they really think it's only 6% or use those as great education moments for that open dialogue to help prepare them for a healthy outcome and not getting COVID. You don't have to argue with them or anything like that, but I think you could do your due diligence on just explaining what you do know, what we do know. (laughs) I just repeated myself. (laughs) What we know 
and, and have that conversation with, with patients. Um, it's just, it's great education opportunities. So, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of our population populations, I mean, they're, they are the higher. Oh yeah. And that, so, you know, like, um, I think they, every single one of our patients of, has a list of diagnoses. A diagnosis, right? And so because of that, they want to take those precautions because this virus then actually exasperates what they have going on or makes mm-hmm. it worse or potentially adds an additional complication on top of what they're going on. And I'm pretty confident most patients do not want to add to what they already have going on. Yep. <laughs> At least yep. I would not want to do that. <laughs> I always say like, we don't need to make it, you know, we don't need to complicate it or bring on a complication that um, wasn't there before. So that's a good point to be, you know, educating them and helping them to understand that. And I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone is in the healthcare world like us. No, but even healthcare providers struggle with it too. That is true. But most of us do understand it, but at the same time, it's just um, a lot. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. So with um, COVID and PPE and all of that, um, any updates regarding like the wipes and the sprays? Because I know a couple episodes ago you were working on a new solution to the Sani wipes. Yes. And um, it hasn't gone away. It's still been my main priority. I will say that. (laughs) We unfortunately had a delay. Um, That's why I had not told you specifically what it was going to be because you know, as luck has it in this day and age with the manufacturer issues and processing and Mm -hmm. what we can get our hands on and that, um, it is proving to be very, very, we're, we're pushing our, uh, outside of the box thinking that, that, that's for sure. (laughs) But I am hopeful. Um, now you guys are gonna hold me to this, but I'm hopefully (laughs) going to be, um, rolling out information next week about what's going on. And then the following week, you'd be able to get the new item, maybe possibly by the end of next week, as long as the spray bottle comes in. That's all we're worried about. That's what we're figuring out. Um, It will be a spray bottle option. It's an eight ounce bottle that should get you through the entire week. You'll have dry wipes and we will have an exact process of how to do that. So I know you might send us questions like, well, how am I going to do this and that? Don't worry. That is coming. I promise. Like <laughs> whether probably going to include a video. Spray your white. Yeah. <laughs> we might have a video too. We'll see what happens. But we'll definitely have it laid out for you on whether you spray the wipe or spray the equipment. But it's going to be a spray and dry wipe option. That way you won't have to worry about keeping your wipes, you know, completely wet. Um, I sat and physically sprayed out how many average sprays it takes to clean the equipment. And then I sprayed a bottle for that many times to see how many t- visits a bottle would get. And on average, it should cover the week. So, um, but the important part is, is that when that does start, you guys, and I'm going to start pushing this hard, is that you've got to bring back those bottles on a refill. basis so they can get refilled. Yeah. So, you know, we are collecting, we're, and we still are, any Purell bottles or hand hygiene um, plastic bottles that you've got, we're still collecting those. Bring those back in, please. Um, and then this would be an additional is this, um, aluminum, it's going to be an aluminum spray bottle. It's only about eight ounces. It won't be too hard to carry, um, with you. Um, and that will need to come back as well because we will be refilling those and sending them back out to you. So that's very critical that you guys bring them into your drop-off points. Every office should have a drop-off point. Um, and that's going to be coming as well. But like I said, more information, 
next week coming. Watch out for it. Um, as soon as we get those bottles, we'll be turning the switch to switch over to this. We're just waiting on those to come in. So I'm excited. I think it'll be better. I'm excited uh, too. Yay for solutions and your just, hard work. So yeah, I just, I, I tell you what, guys, if I could snap my fingers and make this go faster, I still would. <laughs> well, just snap your fingers and make COVID go away while you're at it. So, well, I know, right? If I could just have, oh, like, no, I'm not even going to get political. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, some of you might know what I'm referencing, but anyways. So, some people have, um, or you should have, everyone should have, that bed bug kit that comes with alcohol spray. If their sandy wipes dry out, can they use alcohol spray or is that bad because it's mixing chemicals? I think I've asked you that question before. It's, yeah, it's mixing chemicals. So okay. don't spray your sandy wipes or cavicide wipes or um, with whatever alcohol. wipe is coming with alcohol. Okay. Because it mixes the chemicals and then we can't guarantee that it acts the same way. The only thing that we brought up alcohol is that um, like you use your wipes in the home with your main equipment. And then to do whatever eye protection you have when you get outside of the home, then you could use an alcohol prep pad. You could use um, an alcohol, the alcohol from the bed bug kits. That's all options. And you so. can use the alcohol on your eyewear, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. You can use just the alcohol. So that way you're saving your wipes for the most critical part, which is in the home. Yep. This is part right here. The biggest thing that we're worried about is that spray of COVID so that alcohol will kill it. And also speaking of the eye protection, um, I have to apologize. Michelle LaCroix sent us a great question, I think like two weeks ago, and I haven't answered her yet. So forgive me, but Michelle had a great question. She is often in the hospital for her job. And I know that we have, you know, our hospice inpatient teams, but then we also have nurses doing bedside teaches and things like that. So if IU Health, if you're in the hospital, they recommend eye protection but out in the community we require it so if you are going into the hospital it is recommended it's a controlled environment so you do not have to wear your eyewear if you prefer not to um but you still need to if you're out in patients homes yeah in the hospital you really think about it more like you know what's happening you know or if you're going into a covid positive room then you have to put eye protection on that's an automatic given um but if not and you're just in the hospital then um, evaluate what you're doing with that patient. And, you know, can I stay six feet away from them while I'm in the room in that? Um, or is the time that I have to get up next to them less than 15 minutes? You know, all of those factors that we need to evaluate to see, do I need to put eye protection on or not? That's kind of why it's recommended because there's all different situations that happen. And everyone and their brother is wearing a mask in the hospital and it's much more controlled there. Um, at least they, I mean, try occasionally, I think in patient rooms, they struggle a little bit with visitors, but in the hallways and everywhere else, you know, they're required to, we can always ask for the patient and politely ask, like, um, this came up a little bit about, you know, if you request a patient to, we can reiterate about this, about wearing a mask, but in our homes, they can't, we're not requiring them to wear a mask because we really can't it's require their, yeah, them. Yeah, it's their home. It's their, home and their property and that so we can always politely say um you know for the protection of you and myself um you know it's been shown that masks do provide um, protection between better protection when both people when they're non-household members which we would be a nurse or a therapist or an aide and the patient wear a mask um if they still refuse then after that conversation then it's not, I mean, don't come across to them that, you know, it's 
it's the worst thing in the world that they're they're not doing it or you're irritated because they won't do it i mean that's why we're doing mm-hmm. protection of with a mask and i and eyewear mm-hmm. um so then that way that's kind of like our like the ultimate ultimate like pie in the sky would be that everyone in the house including the patient and household members all wore masks while we were there right yep that's like the pie in the sky um so we shoot for that but we also then put into place the eye protection and the mask so then that way if we can't get that to happen mm-hmm. we are still protected and we are still trying to account for that risk and the pie so. in the sky would also be that they disinfect every single surface before you come but we know that's not true either so right. some, some, some do. people do some people do some do i've been very impressed and um went on that one visit a while back and the, she had it all clean and everything and disinfected mm-hmm. it for us which is great so um but they're also running into issues of trying to find stuff too i know um my cousin actually got covid um down in florida and we think it came from the dentist she um didn't really leave her home she has a six month old now i think something like that but she was trying to find the disinfectant spray like the aerosolized spray and was having a really hard time finding that. And so um, it's happening everywhere. Yeah. It's not just in healthcare. I mean, unfortunately, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has COVID and his whole family does. And he has, he is very wealthy and very healthy. So it really does. It just, you, it can surprise you how COVID can get around. So yeah, I would just right. recommend telling your patients, hey, evidence suggests that you would be most protected if you wear a mask during the visit. I'm going to wear a mask too would you be comfortable wearing a mask? And if they said no, you can just be like, I respect that. That's your home. I just wanted to do my part and request and just kind of offer that education, but no problem. Yeah. Because I mean, that way we're being good stewards in um, providing that education and pushing that message out of how important masks are. Because honestly, like if we were doing a lot of these practices from the get go and everyone across the board, we probably wouldn't be in the state that we're in right now. And that's the biggest struggle is trying to get everybody to do it and to understand why the United States is still struggling with this compared to other countries. So, Brittany, my connection cut out, but I won't make you repeat yourself. I couldn't hear the, the end of it, but I think uh, it still recorded what you were saying. It was probably a connection. It online. did. It did. It, I was talking about just... Um, other countries um, and how the United States, mm. we, you know, still have such a huge number of cases and deaths and that, and other countries are not where we are. Yeah. And the big difference is, is the response, unfortunately. Yeah. So it seems like the, the states that initiated a mask ma- mandate sooner rather than later, and same with those countries have had better outcomes. Yeah. All right. So it's interesting, but with any virus, I mean, like whether it's this one or it's respiratory viruses, I mean, like it comes down to, again, that um, you do these practices to your best of ability to help prevent the spread and that, but they still, they, they do, they can spread. So that's why it's important on watching your interactions when you're outside of work, you know, when you go to the store and and like, like Lady Gaga said, I don't know why I'm referencing all the celebrities, (laughs) started with Freddie Mercury, then we went to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Lady Gaga said, wear a mask. It's a sign of respect. <laughs> so that's how I think too. But again, that's, that's, I love it. that's awesome. yes, but your patients, it is their right uh, to decline wearing a mask when you're in their home. So, oh, well, yeah, I think that's everything, Brittany. I think so too. Okay. Um, Another, we need some more questions or any 
other guests to come. I know. I like that was fun with having Donna. I did like having Donna. Um, this isn't really an update, but just something to come is Brittany is also working hard on improving the resupply form on the warehouse. It'll become easier to order your supplies. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited about that. That's coming out in the next week or two also. And an easier way to do it on your phone. Your computer. You know, so many people try, you know, have issues on your computer trying to do that. So we've actually figured out how to do it on the phone. I am doing a video on how to do it on your phone along with written instructions and that. So that's going to be better. Yay. We've added things in like the paper bags and that in there. Um, And we are making some adjustments. I will tell you on the timing of when orders are due um, and that will be coming as well. And that's just to help support, to continue to support the warehouse to get us what we need the next day. Yeah. It's more just having Um, a, a more formalized, systematic process yes more streamlined mm-hmm. versus kind of everywhere or people do whenever they want to kind of thing yeah. and i mean like we've said we're all in this together so when we start doing all you know all of our part 100 percent of the time it makes it a lot easier for them to do their part 100 percent of the time as well and vice versa they're trying to too and we're all human i know that people have you know not gotten things in their orders or something like that just shoot an email back and say hey this didn't come in my order or hey the hand, um, the hand sanitizer wasn't tight enough when it was in um, the order and that, and um, we'll try to rectify it because um, they don't know what they don't know and they don't intentionally try to leave something exactly. out either. <laughs> they are wanting everybody in who's here to support you are trying to set you up for success and give you everything you guys need. But if there's a, a problem in the process, just speak up and uh, yeah, we're in it together, like Brittany said, and we're a team, so... Yep. Let us know. I'm not, I'm not going to promise it's going to fix it overnight, but it's definitely needed to, we need that feedback to be able to fix it. And I know it's been a bumpy road, but I have been so impressed with you, Stacia and the warehouse getting our staff protected during this pandemic. Cause it was, it was scary at one point. And now we, we have a, we're rocking and rolling and you guys well, I appreciate that because it still feels a little scary on our end. Yeah. Because I mean, we look at these numbers, we see what's coming up. This is that's why those trunk numbers are important. That's why the warehouse numbers are important because, you know, the minute that we start seeing, okay, oh my gosh, we only have X amount of time left. You know, we're already troubleshooting and trying yeah. to figure out like. But what we, we haven't can had do. to stop seeing our patients. So. We've we've been protected from the get go because of your yeah. hard work. So, thank yeah. you. I wish you guys could see my day. It's really crazy. (laughs) Not that your days aren't either. I mean, totally are. Just different kind of crazy. (laughs) Just different crazy. (laughs) But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed today and got some things out of it. Mm -hmm. If you guys have questions, please, please send them back. If anybody, even a clinicians, if you want to join us, we'll work around your time frame. If you want to come on and have a conversation with us, we'd do that. Um, We'd have fun with it. So 